Big Fluff. We come to this place for magic. We come to Silver Linings Playback to laugh, to cry, to care. Because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when the lights begin to dim. And we go somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn together. Dazzling images on a huge silver screen. Sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Our heroes feel like the best part of us. And stories feel perfect and powerful. Because here, they are. Silver Linings Playback. We make movies better. everybody i'm joel murphy and i'm andy mcintyre and this is silver linings playback the podcast where we pitch a bunch of movie ideas because we're trying to get paid <laughs> that's not the name of our that's not our tagline it is this week it sure is this week yeah uh a fun side project is that in doing this podcast we've just started pitching movies and one of them's going to get made and we're going to get rich but we'll keep doing the podcast that's our promise to our listeners so that we'll come up with more ideas and make even more so money we'll paid even more money exactly i just want to be clear we will continue to do this uh but it's not for the love of it it's to capitalize on it yeah this is a purely capitalistic endeavor yeah so that's why we do and it we are killing it yeah, obviously, we're, we're two years in, and uh, we've pitched countless ideas, all of them gold, and none of them have been made yet. And that's your fault. Yes, I World. agree. I take full blame. Yeah. But no, I am, I'm, saying, I'm saying listeners, that's not oh, our fault. Oh, well, then I take no blame. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you shouldn't take any blame. Yeah. It's your fault for not paying us money to do this. Yes. More people. Look, if you like podcasts, you should pay those people money. That's I say that with as a purely just, you know, I have no skin in that game. This is just my thought is if you like podcasts, you should pay the people who make the podcasts. Darn right. You should. Yeah. Also, real quick, we're, we're about to get into these pitches, but want to thank Nicole Kidman for taking the time to record that personal intro for this episode that means a lot yeah it's i mean i was i was amazed that she was she agreed to do it because usually she doesn't want the spotlight but thanks nicole yeah no it's it really means the world to us and also uh nicole if you want to star in any of these movies yeah hit us up there's a role for you in lasagna and cubanos yeah for sure like you could be the daughter of one of them oh my god that would oh be my so god. good Yes, that'd be so or good. Like the daughter-in-law, because it'd be hard to explain why uh, a ghostly, pale Australian woman is the child of either an Italian or Cuban man. Yeah, but I think we can get there. We can get there. Yeah. Uh, or if you want to play the '60s robot, that would also be great. I think you'd be a great '60s robot. Yeah. All right, but yes. Without further ado, these are our best pitches. From 2022. 
I, I want to talk about Andrew Garfield for a second. Okay. Because I, I like him. I think he is well, a good I, actor. Well, we should, full disclosure, uh, we should tell everyone, we've had lunch with Andrew Garfield. So We have had lunch with Andrew Garfield, so yes. friend of the show, Andrew Garfield. And by that, just to be clear, uh, Andy and I were eating lunch at this place in Los Angeles at this long table that's a shared space, and Andrew Garfield sat down at the other end of it and didn't look at us or talk to us or anything. Yeah, lunch. So lunch, you know, but yeah, so we did the show. Lunch. we had a lunch. We did lunch. We did a lunch. We were trying to see gauge his interest on our, uh, you know, Friday the 13th, our Jason goes to court film. We thought he'd be good for like a reporter that keeps running out to be like, oh, boss, you're not going to believe this, you know, like because <laughs> the the presses. because in our version too. Jason goes to court. It was the old days where they the reporters had to run to the phones. <laughs> had to run to the the crank phone. Yeah, to transcribe, to make and the speak, late edition, and speak in a transatlantic accent. Yes, he's just no. Hanging. He's just he's he. It's it's the ledge ledge hang that every action movie has done at some point. Yeah, but except with a this time, the person can literally stick to walls. I think the only worse version of that you could do would be Superman. <laughs> If someone was pulling Superman up. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you fall. Honestly, you know what? That would be a hilarious thing if it was someone doing that with Clark Kent. And so, like, he has that to would... sell it. <laughs> there are so many Superman issues. I'd be shocked if that's never happened. Like, that'd be so funny if it was just someone like, no, come on, Clark, I got to save you. And he's like the whole time. It's like Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. <laughs> And he's, he feels so bad because he's also, like, really heavy because he's so muscular. Because he's so dense. and Yeah. And he can't help him. Yeah. But meanwhile, he is also flying. But just enough. Yeah, he's, like, just floating. <laughs> so that Jimmy doesn't know. Yeah, this is a very bro Parker. Yeah. Really I'm, not, I'm, I'm not feeling it. It, it, it's, it feels wrong to me. Like, what? I don't mind his Spider-Man, but his Peter is all off. His Peter's me. way off, yeah. yeah Can we just put that on a shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind his Spider-Man, but his Peter's way off to me. Yeah, please. You, I mean, you're the design guy, so if you throw that up in your shop, I mean, you've sold at least two shirts to me and Andy. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he falls into a trap by the evil Professor Monster. Great name. Yeah, Professor, still great, Professor Monster. I loved that Professor Monster taught me the ABCs as a child, and I'm so happy about that. It does sound like a vague knockoff of Sesame Street. Oh, it sounds like a Sesame Street character, yeah. for sure. Or like an alternate character, like uh, if Cookie Monster, he eats a vegetable and then becomes Professor Monster instead of Cookie Monster. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. <laughs> That's solid. <laughs> Like, that's pretty good. I'm pretty sure Professor Monster was the red, who, the one who read us Monsterpiece Theater. I think. Yeah, that was Professor Monster. <laughs> um, or it's Cookie oh, Monster's dad, and he's mad that Cookie's I, not following in the footsteps. Th see, that's so funny. I'd say what I was about to say is I pictured it as his brother, <laughs> and his brother. You know, so his brother's like, "All right, look to your left, look to your right." One of you will not graduate monster school. And then they're like, wait, is your brother the one who eats all the cookies? And he's like, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> when I think rom-coms, I think Ben Affleck. I he I made think, like seven in the late 
90s early aughts and we're gonna watch a bunch of them this month i think i speak for everyone when i say i miss it ben if you're listening and we know you are uh, go back and maybe do some rom-com do you, a can, rom-com. you can direct them now Palette cleanse with a little rom-com. Yeah. Oh, man. What about a rom-com about a guy in this? Uh, maybe he's also named Ben. It seems like you like playing characters named Ben based on this movie. Who uh, maybe went through a divorce. And maybe he has a phoenix tattoo on his back. And, and- uh, maybe he gets together with someone uh, that he had previously dated. And they have a rekindling of a romance. And it, uh, you know... Sets the world on fire like it did the last time. Like yeah. a phoenix rising from the ashes. Exactly. Yeah, they, they get Dunkin' Donuts together. They they walk around the block that she perhaps is, is, from. Know, is from and still accepted in. Yeah. Um, from. And, you know, no one gets fooled by the rocks that she got. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be... I think we'd all be into it. And you know what? I bet you that uh, the relationship would be pretty affordable because I'm going to guess that her love doesn't cost a thing. Just a little background on Tony, Tony Goldwyn. He is the grandson of the Goldwyn from MGM. Oh, I should have gotten that last name right then. Of Metro Goldwyn Mayer. He is uh, of the, that Goldwyn. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know John Mayer is actually the grandson of Mayer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh, the DC Metro... Is the grandson, the grandson of, of that, that metro? Yeah. So there you now you know all those. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Uh, they should do a movie together: John Mayer, Tony Goldwyn, and the DC Metro. I, and it should be a, like a remake of that film, Unstoppable, that Denzel Washington. And... No, here it is. Okay. John Mayer. Sorry. No. Yeah, here's yeah. here's the pitch. John Mayer is a busker in the DC Metro. I love it. All right. Okay. And uh, Tony Goldwyn is a loose cannon cop, and then it's Unstoppable. Yeah. 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 Okay. Perfect. And based on things that I've seen in real life, uh, so part of his Goldwyn's character is that he refuses to wear a mask or pay his fare as he's getting on the Metro. (laughs) Sorry, but it's true. It it is true. Uh, Um, No. And then and then in the big twist, uh, the busker was actually the one that was uh, causing all the problems. He's like uh, just like an eco terrorist or something. Right. He should they should do that thing. It should invert that old trope. Where he has a guitar case and it has a guitar in it, but also a gun, you know? Yeah. And then it's just uh, yeah. the third act of Desperado. Obviously, it's the third act of Desperado. Yeah. And I'm sorry, right. we didn't say it, but the Metro plays the Metro. So I just yeah. typecasting. Oh, yeah. that, I mean, I, that goes without saying. Yeah. I, yeah, that should be out there. The Metro plays itself. Yeah. And I oh, apologize. And then you have in the credits um, introducing DC Metro as itself. Yeah. Which... Is a good move for DC Metro because I know that its feelings have been hurt ever since DC Cab got that movie decades right. ago. And it's been really like it has had to hear about it. And like even though Uber and, and Lyft have completely destroyed the cab industry, DC Cab's still not letting it go. Like still no, holding on it's to it. Still that. not. And you know, the Metro may have seen some better days, but I think this is good rehabilitation campaign yeah. for the and, and again based on the real dc metro a lot of the plot line revolves around there's uh what john mayer's very upset about is people eating food yes <laughs> or drinks and there are too few trains and there's too few trains and All the right. yellow line exists for some reason two years after they made the king speech they brought that guy back for a you know obviously different actor playing him it's not colin firth but no uh but man if it was this was a direct sequel that would have been great if it would, yeah, if they, man, what if they did expanded cinematic universes for of history of like Oscar movies? They just like 
cast a series of historical movies, but just anytime one of the characters shows up in another movie, it's the same one. So if there's like, like if uh, Bill Murray was playing FDR in Pearl Harbor instead of John Voight. Yeah. No, we should just pick. This is the actor that gets to do it. Right. Yeah. You're FDR now, Bill Murray. Yeah. That'd be terrible because he doesn't pick up his phone most of the time. He would no. never show up. So that'd be a hard, they'd be hard pressed to do a depression era movie. <laughs> I think with a few tweaks, and I think this kind of plays into the, the idea that you were pitching, make it be like FDR is just a little bit more grizzled and a little bit more like trashy American. It's just like, I'll tell you what, like you, you want help in this war? You got to beat me in a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I, yeah, all of it. Yeah. All of it. And I, then I'm it turns out in that, in that scenario, it's actually Elizabeth who, uh, she, like, you think that it, it has to be Birdie, but he, he collapses on the table after like four hot dogs. And then she we, eats 73. Yeah, we, we pan out to, to Elizabeth. She's just dunking them in water. She's full Joey chestnutting the hot dogs. Yeah, and so that's when uh, FDR finally <laughs> gives up. It's like, you can have your Lend-Lease Act. <laughs> that's, yeah, and then that's the movie that we all deserve really, and yeah. want. Have they made a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles porn Josh, I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, He's pontificating. He's directly them? asking. Yeah. I've I've produced several. Uh, honestly, this is rude. I thought this is where this interview was going. And well, I was trying to naturally um, segue to sort of like organically uh, let you bring it up. Uh, speaking of bringing it up, Bebop was incredible in the film that I made. Uh, yeah. You know what I loved about it is I thought it was it was both a, a wonderful nod to both uh, the turtles and the conventions of porn. The pizza delivery guy scene, I thought, yeah. really it's smart, really, really blending the world. Yeah, it's right there. You yeah. know, it's right there. And I mean, as far as like fetishes go, the Foot Clan. Right. Come on. Yeah. The fact that they literally didn't wear shoes. I thought that was that was really smart. I, I think what I'm the yeah. most amazed about is that you were able to copyright the phrase coming out of our shells. <laughs> yeah, that and was the I, one that I, 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 I <laughs> Andy, I gotta be honest. I mean I I, I gave that a Google speaking of Google, I thought it'd be gone and it was right there for the taking and nobody did it. So we got, we got lucky. You know what I mean? That's movie magic. They call it. Leonardo and Donatello have very just neutral American accents, but then yeah, you get Raphael and he's like, Hey, I'm walking here. Yeah, who said I want to be leaded Leonardo. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? Uh, well, you know what? Here's what it is, is that he spent a lot of time listening to people speak with that accent and uh working on it and practicing it and rehearsing it and then uh really put together an accent for the performance that he's really proud of much like lady gaga did uh for house of gucci <laughs> does everybody also... like it a pizza <laughs> hey everybody i'm Raphael. you know in the sewers that I'm from in New York, there's a certain way everyone's talking. Like, I'm just imagining the, like, the one man, the one yeah. turtle show. Goodbye, like, you know, when I was back in uh, playing stickball on my stoop, you know, uh, uh, there was Reggie from up the block. And man, he sounded exactly like this. <laughs> and then he ducks under something and comes back up. <laughs> He's got like a backwards hat on. Yeah, I would watch that. That would be a great spinoff i think i would watch Raphael do 
a reimagining of uh, the Chaz Palminteri one-man show, A Bronx Tale. Well, look, what we're saying is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus the Universal Movie Monsters. Yeah, that's, I mean, we want Monster Squad 2, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 5. <laughs> But yeah, think about it. It's perfect because you just do those. We said it. It's the four. So you do you do a Wolfman, you do a Dracula, you do a Frankenstein, you do a, a mummy versus the turtles. And, and, and then the, you have the great scene where they pair off. Yeah, because uh. but then you have to. So that's the question. And I think that's what we're here to answer right now, Andy. And I'm putting oh, us on the spot. Is. But let's determine which movie monster is a foil for which turtle okay, donatello frankenstein science that's your that's your hook 100 percent. and i think i think it has to be dracula leonardo because they're both the leaders in these groups I yeah think. so um and then you have i think you go Raphael wolfman because he's sort of like the angry beastly one and often wolfman and dracula's historically through history have have fought have, have the, the wolfman's and the dracula's have definitely fought fought um and i mean it's abundantly clear that the turtle with the biggest nards is Raphael. yeah <laughs> Yes. So he should fight Wolfman, who we can go on record as saying has nards. And then, and then you do leave uh, Michelangelo to fight the mummy. But I have I have an answer for this. I've thought about this. So, OK, so a mummy, it's it's wrapped up. You know, oh, I think we're on the same page. As and, this, so. and Michelangelo is famously a party dude. So it kind of already looks like uh, the mummy has been TP'd, which is something a party dude mm. would do. So and also I feel like that, you know, we're already writing a bit of this for you, but I definitely think it somehow involves Michelangelo like TPing, either taking the wrap from the mummy and throwing it somewhere or vice versa. So I love that idea. And I think we can merge it with the idea I had is that somehow the mummy fashions nunchucks out of its wrapping and you have a nunchuck fight. There you go, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like with it. the mummy wrapping nunchucks and Michelangelo's nunchucks. And um, yeah, so uh, Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, uh, we know you're listening. Yeah. Holler at your boys. We are going to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus the Universal Monsters. And they, I, we've written the third act already. We just got to get there now. Yeah. I just real quick question too. like the are there weapons made of silver? Like are the the sword? That's the thing they have to do is they have to. So Make they uh, Raphael makes new silvered size mm -hmm. to fight the Wolfman. I like uh, it. Leonardo uses uh, wooden katanas to stab him like a stake through the heart. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This, is part of what Donatello, this is part of what Donatello does. Yeah. Right. And then Donatello. uh uses a metal bow staff to convert it to an electrode to shock Frankenstein also and like over overload him. Also, can I, can I give away the third act twist? I, I kind of want to save this for the movie when it definitely happens, but I don't know. Do you, our audience is cool, right? I think I can say yeah. this and you guys will keep it. I, you like, guys are cool. You're, yeah. you're, you'll be safe with us. When Frankenstein is defeated, what we find out his brain that's been operating Frankenstein Krang gold. Oh, boom. Drop the mic. Let's boom. go to lunch. Yeah. 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 And that's it. actually what's been happening this whole time is Krang. It was Krang the whole time. Yep. Billion dollars. Minimum one billion dollars. Minimum one yeah. billion dollars. One, and we could do it live action. We could do it CGI. Michael Bay will use your turtles. We could make new turtles. I don't give a shit. Any you give us any you give us the turtles from the coming out of our shell tour. And we'll, this this concept is so good that it'll work. So good. 
this is this is maybe Jason goes to court. Good. Oh man, I mean, and that's our best movie ever. So, like, that's well, I, it's not Change of Heart. Good. Oh uh, well, that's actually our prestige film, though. That's our prestige picture, definitely. Yeah. Well, no, our prestige picture is Lasagna and Cubanos. Uh, you know We're what? Good at this. We really are. Where is our truckload full of money? But if you can think of one professional wrestler that would turn into a rhino, I can't think of anybody else besides Sheamus. No, I mean, who would it be? I can't think of any other wrestler that might be like rhino-esque or a rhino. Do you, when you keep saying rhino, literally the only other thing that comes into mind is Paul Giamatti. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, and he was, to the best of my knowledge, not a pro wrestler. Yeah, so he, he could have been, though. Could have been. I think he would have been Giamatti good. can do whatever he wants. He would have been good. Or I could see him as like a Paul Heyman style manager. I'll tell you what, if they ever did like WWE the movie, yeah. he would not be the worst casting as Paul Heyman. He'd be a good Paul Heyman. And I've always maintained this. I, I believe I've said this on the show, but in case I haven't, you get Shooter McGavin to play Vince McMahon. You 100%. Christopher McDonald would be a very good. Yeah, there is no one better. Because McDonald, if you watch Hacks, he's the perfect age right now to play Vince McMahon in a biopic. I think 10 years ago, uh, Michael Douglas would have been a hell of a Vince McMahon. Yeah, but I think, no, you, you go. I think that was Christopher McDonald. I think you're McDonald, right. Yeah, he would be great. So, so we've already cast two of the roles in this. Yeah. We just we, need an we, Eric we, Bischoff and we can do a Monday Night Wars movie. Rob Lowe. Bam. Done. <laughs> Sign sealed delivered. Yeah. So, man, that was we backed into a movie pitch, but <laughs> we backed into a Monday Night Wars, the movie. Uh, I feel like that's more of a Netflix limited series. That would be a good Netflix limited series. Yeah. I, well, maybe can we can we go to HBO Max? I want a season two, maybe. You know, I want a possibility okay. of season two. Well, no, Netflix, you get three. Some days, some and these, you know, that's that's past. Unless you're Stranger Things, yeah, I, that's I think true. You, I think you get a season now if you're lucky. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. So yeah, let's go, let's go max, or even you know, go off the grid with like Paramount Plus and just you know, get eight seasons and no one cares. Paramount, well, oh, I, we're missing the obvious, Andy Peacock. Peacock has the deal; they have the network. This movie hits the credits before you have time to go like. But that wouldn't solve anything <laughs> like they did not because and another thing, I, again, I'm not trying to pick too much on the end because I think we covered it, but it's like they make a big deal about this tape. I really thought like the tape was going to have been thrown away and they were going to have to go into a landfill to get it or something. It's something, you know, garbage mini. No, we're not really <laughs> worried about <laughs> the tape. Like I know how to find it because I know I know the places to look. I know where yeah. they keep the tapes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And like. I was going to say just in, in the theme of other loose ends, there's like the rival garbage men that never really pays off. I think oh that was God. all just a long setup to make the brakes not work at the end. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but again, I see. I, I still feel that feeds into this sort of world, world building early on of them not just being two garbage men, but garbage men that work with other garbage men and have like a friendly prank war that escalates well, and missed opportunity in terms of the, the amount of they're able to rig things so that when a locker is open, it yeah. fling shit at someone. So, like, the again, the potential to set up the, the businessman at the end with some sort of elaborate spring loaded traps. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if you if you're willing to go in, I think we should start a crowdfunding campaign to make the last third of this movie again. Yeah. 
let's bring everybody back. Yeah, we'll, we'll just have them reshoot it now. It'll be like a wet hot American summer thing where we don't explain it. It just cuts to as if it's the same day. It would be so, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Stay stay tuned for our Indiegogo link coming yeah. at the end of the episode. Check the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um minute rework. I'm calling yeah. minute. Yeah. Ooh, good. Yeah. Minute rework. I like it. We never got roll bounce too, uh, which is where they become car racers. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, uh, Chai McBride. He ended up. That's how it. It actually connects to Gone in sixty seconds. He's the same character in and B- Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah, because Bow Wow starts racing cars in Tokyo to be like his dad. That was the who, best one. Yeah, to be like his dad who steals cars in Gone in sixty seconds. So it is all right. connected. Yeah, yeah, it's all World related. It's so small. It's a cinematic universe. The uh, roll bounce. Gone in 60 seconds, Fast and Furious. Also, if anyone from the Fast and Furious is listening, I know know they're saying they're going to stop at 10, but if they do 11, maybe roller skates, maybe, maybe take it a step back. And instead of cars, yeah, drift drift and skates. Yeah, it's like all this stuff. It's just like Fast and Furious, but it's on roller skates. Like they're doing drag racing type, like roller skating shortage, like there actually is. And, you know, yeah, Uh, Sweetness was just a great character, just like with the, Mm -hmm. the girls that were like, you know, dabbing the sweat off him and fanning him. And like when the one girl is grooving to uh, the uh, the the garden boys uh, skate routine, he just kind of gives her that side glance and she stops immediately. Like so good. So good. Such a roller skating pimp. Oh, yeah. He was the, he was the, he was the king of the uh, the rink. I would watch an entire spinoff about his character like that. That's what needed that to would happen. Actually be great. Yeah, th- that's what needed to happen is we needed a sequel where Bow Wow fixes his dad's car, but also he has to team with Sweetness, who's now the star of the movie. Who And we like, what's Sweetness home life like? Yeah, he just goes home to an empty apartment. I would like, say it's just completely bare. <laughs> it's just the one closet of all his amazing bell bottoms and butterfly collars. But it's all the all the walls are white. There's no artwork. There's just like one folding chair. <laughs> That he sits in. There's a small table and and just a just a simple bed, not a cot because that's too far, but just a simple yeah. bed. Yeah. Ah, sweetness, the movie. Roll bounce to sweetness. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Wesley Jonathan, give us a ring. We'll <laughs> we'll we'll make it happen. Twenty years later. <laughs> I think it's even better. Like I almost mean, twenty years. Honestly, if it's 20 years later, then maybe it's about sweetness in the, the now it's the 1990s. So like roller skating rinks are gone and he's, right. it's 1998 and he's he's trying to he had this legendary he, career. He has to learn to roller blade. Ooh, because That's he's actually compi- a nice twist. He's competing yeah. in the X Games <laughs> <laughs> as a 40 year old man. <laughs> we did it. Look, what we're really here to talk about is how messed up public domain law is. And look, we all know it's true. Mickey Mouse should be in the public domain by this point. Batman should be Superman. Like these corporations, they get in there and they mess it up. That's that's what we're going to spend the whole month talking about is that asylum should be allowed to make Batman movies. That's really what we're advocating for. If there's one thing that would make (laughs) this world a better place, it'd be... Asylum Studios presents Batman versus Jokester. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be interesting, too, to see which uh, characters weren't in the public domain yet. So, like, they'd have Batman, but not the rogues gallery. That's like, it's really weird. Winnie the Pooh just entered uh, the public domain, but it's only like Winnie the Pooh from the first book. So you can't do like Disney Winnie the Pooh with the half shirt and the no pants. Right. Like He has to look like he has to be just an orange bear. Yeah. So that that's a, that's a free tip, though. So if you want to write Batman versus Winnie the Pooh, uh, well, you can't yet because Batman isn't in the public. But domain. you could do uh, Robin Hood goes to the Hundred Acre Wood or or here's another freebie. Uh, Winnie the Pooh in The Great Gatsby. <laughs> it's just he's he's in his mansion surrounded by honey. Uh, he's in love with from a distance with Eeyore. Who has uh, moved on and is now a Tigger. And, uh, and Piglet moves in down the road. And, <laughs> and they, they start a friendship. Gets invited start, into his world. Start throwing parties. Yeah. Because uh, Piglet is Ear's distant cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. That, you and, can have- and, and Rabbit is the asshole. New, or no. Well, Tigger's the new, new husband. So he's the one that fights everybody. And Actually, Ra- Rabbit might be better, though. I think. Rabbit's probably better. Tigger is the lesbian. There you go. The lesbian golfer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We did it. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> listen to that great pitch coming first week in January, 2023. <laughs> I feel like Vinnie um, Jones should show up in Ted Lasso. I think is what we're really saying. Yeah. As a guy who hates Roy Kent. Who Roy's what? afraid. Oh, man. Look, OK, I'm pitching season three of Ted Lasso. So he shows up because he's the only guy that Roy Kent is intimidated by. And he's terrified of him. And he's yeah. like a coach. It was his childhood bully. He was his childhood bully. He's never played <laughs> soccer. No, but the was... thing is, is that it's his childhood bully because he bullied him at a soccer camp when he was a kid. He was yes. mean to him when Roy was very little. Yeah. Right. And he, very small. And he's terrified of him. And now he's brought in. Uh, as a like a coach for their rival team and they need Roy to it's like you got to tell us what to do he's making them real tough and like they're bullying our guys and he's like I we can't we can't beat him he's like it just breaks him emotionally (laughs) and then Keely has to step up and she dresses down Vinnie Jones she just emasculates Vinnie Jones yeah until he cries well that's season three you're welcome I think the lesson that we can take away is that if you've got five million dollars Kicking around, you can get in a cage to do a pretty good thing. Which leads us to our Kickstarter. Yeah. We are trying to As raise five, $5 million, million and ten dollars. And we're gonna make a movie starring Nick Cage. Yeah, and you and I. And and it's gonna be it's gonna be a short film, it's gonna win an Oscar. Yeah, the five million, five million goes right ten dollars. Yeah, the five million goes to Nick Cage and the ten dollars is for snacks for you and I. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're, we're each gonna get uh, a foot long. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh because, oh, shoot, we should probably you know, five hundred and fifteen, because Nick Cage probably is gonna want a foot long too. Yeah, that would be rude. Yeah, we don't want to be we just had a delicious foot long uh, artificial sub yeah. and Nick Cage didn't get any. Uh, yeah. he would get mad and then probably not want to do it. Yeah. Now some might say that he could use that any of that five million to get as many foot longs as he wanted, but you know what? We're we're gonna take care of Nick Cage. Look, that's for after the shoot. If he wants right. to get footlongs on day During four, the shoot. day four footlongs he has to pay for. But in those three days that he is contractually <laughs> obligated to, he gets one footlong sub. Oh, wait, is it per day? Because we're going to re- need to raise more money. Okay, we got to rework this Kickstarter. I think. All right, hold on. So five million plus and fifteen, one... forty-five. 
because 45. it's 15 a day. 45. Three subs, a sub a day. Yeah, we, we each are eating one foot long sub a day for three well, no, days. We're not, breakfast, breakfast and dinner, he's on his own. Well, we're going to provide lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying each of us, that's, that's our meal every day. It's one, one foot long sub. Mm-hmm. And we'll, have, we'll uh, have tap water. Yeah. Maybe we could look into, is $45 enough to just get a party sub? Maybe we could just get one party Ooh, sub. that might be a night. Or we could get like a, a couple of pizzas and then just have leftover pizza the other days. I, if we can get pizza, I'd rather get pizza. I would rather get pizza. Let's get 40, $45 worth of Little Caesars. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Which I think is 45 Little Caesars pizzas. I think it's 45 Little Caesars franchises. <laughs> uh, so perfect. So we worked it out. Yeah. And so oh. then we're going to make a movie um, and it's going to be script to be, be determined. Oh, no, it's already written. Yeah. All I know <laughs> for sure is that there is a scene where Nick Cage tells us both that he's our father. And both of our actual fathers are in that scene and we see a tear roll down their cheek. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we just cheer. Yay! Yeah. And run yeah. and give him a big hug. Yeah. We both cheer and then we cut back to a flashback where a different actor that's not Nick Cage is uh, seducing our mothers. Yeah, maybe it's Frank Grillo. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, Frank Grillo, if you're listening and you're willing to work for... Uh, Pro bono. Well, you can have some of the Little Caesars. Yeah, you can have a couple... Of sli- if you're willing to work for a couple of slices of pizza. You can- and listen, if we have enough leftover, we'll spring for Pepsi. Yeah. Uh, and you can be uh, the young Nick Cage who seduces our moms. Yeah. Both of them together at the same bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be graphic. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, like I said, the script is ready to go. Yeah. Um, once we short- get $5 million, we're ready to film <laughs> 5 million and $45. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And once someone tells us how to get in contact with Nick Cage, I figure once you have, if you have $5 million, I feel like the Nick Cage phone number gets put in with that. <laughs> they give you a choice of what you want to use the $5 million for. Do you want to cast Nick Cage in a movie? Do you want to invest? Do you want to buy real estate? No, those last two sound terrible. Yeah, they sound stupid. When I could put Nick Cage in a movie for $5 million? That does raise a question. Why don't more lottery winners just make weird vanity films with their money where they hire? Because they're idiots. Yeah, right? Here's my promise to you. If I ever win the lottery, I will make so many low-budget films starring Nick Cage. dumb vanity project starring Nick Cage. I'll... Uh, we should make like a great. series like we should just if we won the lottery, we should just straight up like do like a Harry Potter franchise of just like six films that we're signing Nick Cage to each. And we're going to film them all at the same time. Simultaneously. <laughs> yes, it'll be it'll be more like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But we're like, we, you know, we get him for it's three days for each movie, but we're going to film all like five movies. Right. We're going to film it over the course of two weeks. Yeah. Amazing. And then any of the other, if we have to go beyond to shoot other scenes that he's not in, we'll t- take care. We'll shoot, deal but with that. But we're going to get comes. all the Nick Cage content. Back to back to back to back yeah. to back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, man. Well, here's the thing. I think if we're being smart about this, and I like to think that you and I are pretty smart guys. Definitely. Uh, I think so. Is that we make the first movie after our lottery winnings, mm-hmm. and then the profits from that movie will let us pay the future movies to do more Nick Cage. Yeah, I mean... The movie's going to be a success. It's definitely going to be a success. It's Nick Cage, and he has a sword, and... He, even if it's just, like, a family drama, he still has a sword. Oh, yeah. No, to be clear, he is a... Uh, he's a risk analyst. In the film. Yeah. Like he may fight 
some animatronic robots if we can get them. Who knows? But yeah. the limit. But the, yeah, but he's a risk analyst. But every once in a while, there's like a fight scene where he says stuff like, I've analyzed the risk to you. And then he like, there's no kill. risk for me. Slice. Yeah. And then he kills the guy with a sword. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if we could get Kelsey Grammer to pop in. Oh, my God. And Jenna Malone. Oh, dude, man. How much money are we going to make off of this film? All of it. Yeah. All of the monies. So, yeah. So we're going to so, do a cage movie. So Kelsey Grammer, Kelsey Grammer, Kelsey Grammer kidnaps Jenna Malone and then Nick Cage has to save her with his sword, right? Yeah. After finding out that he and we're his as like sidekicks. Yeah, we just hang out with him. <laughs> we just like hang out. We're just like eating chips in the back. We don't help him in any way, but we just hang out with him. But he lets us hang out with him because we amuse him. Right. He finds us. He finds our, our, our hijinks uh, entertaining. Yeah. And what we're at, here's the real secret. I'm going to let you all in on this secret. It's it's not the, the movie itself is going to be great. And don't you worry, it's yes. going to be great. But what's really going to be amazing is the Heart of Darkness documentary about the making of the film. That's going to be we're going to so we're going to win best short film and best documentary. Yeah. Feature. Yeah. So our documentary feature is going to be full feature length to about a short film. Because you and I will uh, go insane while making oh. it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go nuts. Uh, it's gonna be a complete breakdown of our friendship that will yeah. eventually reconcile. But when, but then that documentary is going to yeah, it's gonna be really great. Yeah, and we got Spike Lee to do it. So, <laughs> which I couldn't believe, but he was really into it. You you offered that guy some Knicks tickets, and yeah, he's done. and it was weird because he has season tickets. But like we like you know Joel lives in L.A. He's like we can get you to get you to see a game at the Forum. Uh, or Staples Center, or whatever it's called now. I think it's well, it was the Crypto.com Arena, but I haven't checked that in a minute since uh, yeah, you so know, it might the be bottom dropped else. out. It might, it might be the the uh, the Halloween store, like the Spirit, Spirit Halloween, Halloween Arena. arena. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I'm sure I could get some Wizards tickets uh, for him to go see a Wizards. Oh, game, you could so. definitely get Wizards tickets. Yeah, so you know, it's uh, we got a plan, and it's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, uh, 2024 is the year of the movie because mm -hmm. yeah. we got, you know, we got to make it, release it, promote it. Yeah. It'll take some time. Yeah. Also, if you have five million dollars that you want to donate and you want to produce a movie. Yeah. Uh, holler at your boys. Yeah. You'll get full producer credit. No creative input, but uh, like complete producer credit. It'll be great for your IMDb. And, and a one line walk on Cameo. And here's the thing. You get to pick the line. Yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, we don't care. We'll work around it. We're improvisers. Even if it's, <laughs> even if it's Nick Cage's and your father, I am. We'll let you do it. Yeah. We'll, we'll make it work somehow. I mean, then we'll have to get Grillo back to also play this guy and film another right. flashback. <laughs> and then have another really graphic scene <laughs> seducing our mothers. <laughs> but we'll do it if that's what it takes to get your five million. Yeah, and also, to be clear, we're saying guy. If you're a lady with five million dollars and you want to say that you're our father, also sure. fine. If you want to get seduced by Frank Grillo, we can probably make that happen. <laughs> like, I'm not going to make any promises. Yeah, I don't want to speak for Frank. Catching Nick Cage is not a bad pitch. <laughs> what is that movie about? I mean, obviously the 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 name's on the tin, but it's about. You, you know, we write a character about uh, filmmakers who are utterly convinced that they've written a, a movie that Nick Cage will do because they assume that Nick Cage will do any movie. 
but they actually can't figure out how to get in contact with Nick Cage to get him to do their movie. But they've already promised that he signed. I'm going to do you one better. Okay. Uh, so the actual way that you get Nick Cage to star in a, a movie is you have to best him in a battle of wits. Yes, that's what they don't realize. They've already promised that they signed Nick Cage to the film thinking that it was in the bag because they're like, he'll just do it. But yeah, you actually have to. <laughs> that every that everybody that has gotten him to star in a movie has bested him in some mental chess match or physical challenge or something. And But you never get to know that... what it is until you arrive because you can't. Right. It's and it's random and sometimes like they lose and then they don't get to do right the movie is that and sometimes it's as simple as rock paper scissors other times it is a another David Fincher movie the game esque convoluted yeah uh, thing to get him oh this is a great movie we just wrote and sometimes it's a tickle fight <laughs> <laughs> like. 40% of the time, it's a tickle fight. And that's what they're really hoping for. Is they like, essentially... As they start to find out what they might have to do to get him to start in the movie, yeah. and they just, they just like, they talk to, like, Charlie Kaufman, and he's like, yeah, I just had to win a tickle fight against Nick Cage. <laughs> but I had to do it twice, because I had to get him to play two parts like in the two, movie. Two parts. Yeah. Had to, or one was a tickle fight, one was some, like, I was like, yeah, I had to win a Spartan race against him. <laughs> And then it's like the guy who did Ghost Rider is like, uh, he we like had knives, like it was a straight up like knife. Like, you know that knife game from Alien? Yeah, we did that. We I did lost that. A, I lost a finger, and he just holds up his missing <laughs> finger. <clears throat> Even like, uh, you know, like his Coppola family members that he's done roles for, they talk about the things that he's had to do. <laughs> They've had to do to get Nick Cage in the movie. It's like, how do so many people catch him? It's like, yeah, sometimes he's lazy about it. It's Francis Ford Coppola saying, like, you know, I thought that Apocalypse Now would be the hardest thing I ever did, but it turned out it's actually getting Nikki to, <laughs> to do Peggy Sue got married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's that's catching Nick Cage. Yeah. And that's and somewhere we, we get share in it to just be like, I just asked him. <laughs> <laughs> he just couldn't say no to me it's like yeah i just said hey do you want to do this movie <laughs> and that was it yeah but so look for that uh 20 look for that coming out it's the uh spiritual sequel to the uh the crippling weight of massive talent is that the title of that movie something like or that the un unbearable weight of massive talent i think it's unbearable like weight yeah it's but it's spiritual sequel it's like completely unconnected yeah it's not it's he's not the same nick cage in that movie as he is in this movie no um but Pedro Pascal, if you want to read for it. Uh, yeah, we will find a part. For you. If yeah. you want to play Joel, I think you'd make an excellent Joel Murphy. I think you would. Yeah. I think he could really capture me in a way that I'm like, yeah. that's what I'm like. Oh, that's who I am. <laughs> Hellfire and brimstone. It's got to be Kang. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you definitely JR'd by the end. But <laughs> um, Now I want Nicolas Cage to star in a Jim Ross biopic. Oh, yes. Yeah. Slobberknocker, the Jim Ross story starring, <laughs> Nicholas starring Cage. Nick Cage. Oh, man, we get Nick Cage in a toga at that one WrestleMania. We get uh, Nick Cage being slapped in the face by an actor playing Mankind in that sit down interview. We oh, and obviously, so man, this ties in some things. So we've talked about the fact that Christopher McDonald is obviously perfect casting for Vince McMahon. So at some point, 
Christopher McDonald's Vince McMahon makes Nicolas Cage's Jim Ross kiss his ass. Kiss his ass. In the middle of the ring. So here for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're making a Jim Ross biopic. So, uh, jrsbarbecue.com, uh, hit us up. We will have a treatment ready by Monday. Um, for... As God is my witness, he's broken in half. By God, they've killed him. They've killed him. I want that so bad. There's nothing I want more in this world right now than a Jim Ross biopic starring Nicolas Cage as good old JR. I think here's the tough question that we have to decide, though, is who plays Jerry the King Lawler? So if it was 10 years ago, I think it's Jim Carrey, because I think that's just funny to me. Well, yeah, because then you have the symmetry of now he's played Andy Kaufman and Jerry and Lawler. Jim, and Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, that, that's the thing is because if you're gonna have a JR movie, you gotta have you have to have the actor playing uh, the king. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an important part. That's you know, Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Chris, or even better, Chris Walken as the king. Uh -oh. I, I see puppies <laughs> that just that there puppies. <laughs> Just okay. so many puppies. <laughs> but no one explains to Walken what that means when he says no. it. Yeah. No, not not once. Is this guy some kind of like dog fanatic? I just <laughs> I don't understand the character. <laughs> okay. It's too so, much. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so Slobberknocker is happening. As I think we figured out that you need five million dollars to get Nick Cage. Yes. So that's so a starting we need point. ten million dollars to make this movie. Who did a better job? taking Manhattan. Was it Jason or was it the Muppets? I mean, it was the Muppets. Yeah. Manhattan Melodies is a great musical start yeah. to finish. But I also, in full disclosure, I've never seen Jason Takes Manhattan, but I assume he gets hit on the head, loses his memory and goes and gets an office job while his mother is frantically searching the city to get him to go back to killing and doing a Broadway musical. And just murdering people along the way. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to assume that Jason Takes Manhattan is about. And if it isn't, it's the remake we're doing. <laughs> we were already, like I said, negotiating with Kane Hodder. So I feel really good about it. No, here's the movie. Jason Takes the Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> it's just Jason murdering like B-list Muppets. Well, and I mean, they always say that, right? That's like the Twitter thing of if you could remake one movie... Where with only one human actor and all the rest of the characters are Muppets, what would it be? And yeah, it's Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, there's no other answer. Yeah. If you're doing any other answer, you're wrong. Actually, you know what? Can I do another pitch? Because why not? Yeah. Because I had a moment. I don't know if you had this moment, but the, the end of the, the film, the last shot is the hockey mask and then uh, Freddy's glove comes up to grab it and pull the mask down to hell and you get a the Robert England laugh. But before that, a dog finds the mask. And I don't know if you had this thought, Andy McIntyre, but I certainly thought there's nothing in the rule book that says that a dog can't be Jason Voorhees. So I was really hoping <laughs> That the dog was going to touch the mask, like a little spark was going to go off, and we were going to get a dog in a hockey mask murdering people. And I mean, this is off the top of my head, but called like air bloody. I don't know. That's just I think just air, air blood. blood, air blood, 
air blood. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing in the rule book that says that a dog can't be Jason. I think he deserves a, a Chai McBride vehicle. Yeah. Where it's just him. We follow him the whole time. Uh, I, I don't have a pitch yet, but I will. No, but I, you know, I mean, but yeah, he's, I, he is one of my favorite actors. Like, I think he's just so good at. You know, and he never he's like the embodiment of there's no small roles, only small actors. And here's the thing, too. I don't have a pitch yet for the movie, but I do know that it's called Chai Town. Yeah. That's what I promise you. Yeah, it's called Chai Town. That that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And then the sequel is called Too Shy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, and there's definitely there's like a lot of shots of him staring out windows, just looking imposing. Honestly, you know what? I almost I could see him playing like a Wilson Fisk sort of uh, you know, powerful businessman who believes he's doing this for the betterment of the city, but you know, he he's but maybe going he is to, a little nefarious. But yeah. Does it in sort of an underhanded way. Honestly, I think he would just be a good Wilson Fisk. Honestly. He would be a great kingpin. No, as great as Vincent D'Onofrio is doing, um, I think that <laughs> that Shy McBride would be an excellent kingpin Wilson Fisk. But I think in my heart when I'm visualizing Chi Town, which I'm now doing, which means I would call this pre-production for. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to get him on board and we're going to make this. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's in an office. He's in a penthouse office with a view of the city. Uh, which Just is floor to ceiling windows. Yeah, which is obviously Chicago. Uh, yeah, uh, and I mean, <laughs> and he's he's dressed impeccably. He's got a cigar. And he's sort of staring out and saying things like, "This is my city." And obviously, and I think this goes without saying, the rival boss who's trying to move in on his territory is played by Kelsey Grammer. It's he's the Rumble. Yeah. As yes, it is this. Okay, so it it takes place in the money plane universe. <laughs> Yes. But we never talk about money plane. Never once. Adam Copeland's not in it. There's no nope. reference to a money plane. But the Lawrence it, Brothers are for some reason. But as different characters. Completely different characters. As yeah. the Lawrence Brothers. They just play themselves in a cameo. They're the Lawrence Brothers. But yeah, uh, obviously, Darius Crouch, a.k.a. the Rumble, is he's Darius moving Emmanuel into- Grouch. <laughs> yes. He's moving into Chicago and trying to take over Chi-Town. And... Uh, you know, that's that's where the conflict happens. Right. And so so in, a, in this, I think that he's he's an anti-hero because we're still rooting for him. We want him to win. And, and Timothy Oliphant's in it. Yeah. Timothy Oliphant is, is in it as uh, obviously the only thing that he should ever play a wild card. Yes. That, you know, he might be on the side of law enforcement. Maybe he's not on the side of law enforcement. Who well, knows? I could see it that like so Darius Grouch hires timothy elephant's character to take out uh chai but then what happens is he just goes straight to him and says like hey this is what he's offering me to take you out so what's your counter offer and he's like he has his feet up on his desk and he's wearing a cowboy hat obviously if that wasn't clear yeah but he's just like sitting in his office and he's like sniffing one of his cigars not lighting it just like holding it under his nose sniffing it yeah and and so he's like, what's your counteroffer? And so we don't know where he's going to land on this. Right. 
And I mean, you know, we know, but like the audience, the audience we doesn't know where he's going to land on this. Yeah. Spoiler. It involves a dynamite strapped to his chest at the end. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, that's our treatment. So uh, holler at your boys. Okay. How about this? So Jessica Beale plays herself, right? Okay. And we do, it's sort of a Rosemary's baby, but modern, but she, she's Jessica Beale. She kind of decides that she's done with this Hollywood life and she wants to have a family somewhere. I don't know if she has a family in real life. I'm sorry. I don't know. She, she and Justin Timberlake have kids. Okay. But in this world, they don't. In this world, they don't. Yeah. But so she meets, uh... (laughs) A guy named like he can't be Beale in this, so he'd have to. He's Bill. He'd be J- he's he's Bill Zabub. He's William Zabub. Everyone calls him Will. Will. So Will. Zabub. Everyone calls him Liam. So you don't get it. Yeah, Liam Zabub. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's perfect, Andy. So he's Liam Zabub. But then the like third act reveal is that she finds his birth certificate and it's like, wait, and a it's second. William. William. Wait a second. I found your. Your high school yearbook, everyone called you Bill. Because he has a high school yearbook in this, too, obviously. Because the devil went to high school. And that's the prequel. See, we're setting up a a shared universe do. We're going to do what they did with X and with Pearl and with Maxine. That first we're going to (laughs) do the Jessica Beale Zabub movie. And then we're going to do the devil's high school. uh, (laughs) Which is in hell. Okay, first of all, The Devil's High School might be the best title we've come up with (laughs) for this podcast. Okay, you know what? I kind of, no offense to Jessica Biel, we still will find a part for you. I kind of want to bail on that movie and just make The Devil's High School. (laughs) I'm all in on The Devil's High School. Yeah, let's make The Devil's High School. So it's a high school in hell where the demons learn how to be demons and they're going to school. And the movie is obviously about a demon that wants to be an angel and he's in the devil's right. high school. And so he's acting out, but the version of acting out. Hold like, on. No, no, no. I, I, okay. I think, I think, I, I think I got it. I think I can beat that. Okay. I, think I can beat it. Um, an angel is actually half demon, half devil. And he's living with his devil stepdad. And this he has to of, go to the demon school. I'm just going to warn you that you're kind of describing the plot of little Nikki a little bit. So she do have to. Yeah, be a- that's fine. <laughs> But yes, that or maybe we do it more like Elf that somehow an angel it's because, you know, and obviously we all are, uh, you know, we I assume everyone like me and this is a real fact about me have a religious studies minor uh, from college and uh, <laughs> that we all know that uh, Lucifer Morningstar was a fallen angel. So, right in this. I, I picture it's like the beginning of Elf that somehow as a baby, an angel like literally fell from heaven, not didn't have a falling out with God. Yeah, or anything, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fall from grace. It was he literally just like slipped and fell and it fell down to earth. And then a demon found the little baby. But this demon, for some reason, had a soft spot and takes the baby angel to hell and tries to raise it as a demon. And then he ends up in the devil's high school. Right. And I think there's a lot of, you know, obviously. So what are they teaching? Well, they they're teaching history, but the history is, you know, obviously pro devil propaganda. They're teaching how to torture. Much like in the American South. (laughs) 
Exactly. It's pretty much the same textbooks, weirdly. Yeah, it's 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 all uh, textbooks made for the state of Texas. Oh, so it was it was about states' rights. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's a lot of that. And popular then, sovereignty. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, cheating is encouraged. Uh, everyone is a bully and a class clown. And that's the thing is this angel stands out because they're the only one that like they're getting straight A's, which is bad. And it's you, there's a little bit of that, that like bizarro thing. You don't want to get straight A's. You don't want to be the valedictorian like that. Those are uh, bad traits to have that you should. Th- or you want it to be so obvious that you're doing it underhandedly. Well, you have to cheat. Yeah, the the cheating is not only the norm, it's expected. And when they that's the thing, at first they think the angel is cheating really well and they they want to know how. And then when they figure out that the angel isn't cheating, they're just doing the work. And then everyone is upset and tries to expel the angel. Right. And, you know, the angel eventually becomes the new Satan. Well, well, but we get to that, and but they, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because obviously there's hell prom, and obviously oh, yeah. hell homecoming, hell homecoming, you know, and there's, I mean, they have to have a homecoming game where obviously they play against the angels, um, right? And but it's the the angels baseball and the team. quarterback for the angels team looks suspiciously like the angel because they're brothers, and that's when they figure it out. They're like, wait a second, you look like everybody on this team crazy and the the angels like puts on like lose like fake horns to his head every day so it's also a little bit like um one of the guys that 80s uh gender swapping comedy which we all agree needs to be brought back that definitely yeah i mean that that's an evergreen topic that wouldn't be problematic in 2022 whatsoever he's just a great horror movie villain look i know this was his last role his last time playing pinhead but hopefully if he's listening to this and he's available I think I have a pitch for a new movie that I think you just made me realize that we should uh, write together, which is let's do the workplace comedy version of the Cinebite. So it's called the Cinebites, obviously, or, you know, and it's basically it's it's like the office where Superstore. Yeah. Or like Superstore. And we're following Pinhead and the other. Uh, Cinnabites, which I, I looked up to according to the, this movie has melted face Cinnabite and bound Cinnabite. So they don't have cool names like Pinhead. But uh, well, the first one has Chatterbox and uh, Butterball, which are both man. Butterball is uh, probably my favorite of all of it's the, just, the it's, it's the fat one. But also he's cool. Uh, Butterball yeah. is great. Like Butterball is cool. He's got the dark glasses. He's a cool dude. Yeah, that that guy, he likes to party. And I think the, so Butterball's in it. We have to get Butterball. And we have to get yeah. and Chatterbox like again, he's named Chatterbox. So he's like the guy in the office that when they're in the break room that he's like talking about his weekend and he has these long, boring stories because we only ever see his teeth chatter and he doesn't talk in the movies. But when he's a Cenobite in like their dimension or hell or world or wherever, we got to figure that out when we write it. But like when he's there, he talks like they understand what he's saying. And so we as the audience could hear it, but he's really boring. But then I think there's potential that like butterball kind of gets off that's the pain pleasure thing of like he likes boring stories so he's like super into no tell me about so you waxed your car to i want to hear about it like he's super into it 
So it's a little bit like what we do in the shadows with the energy vampire. I don't know what you're talking about. This is an original idea that I just made up. <laughs> <laughs> Completely original, uh, brand new. Um, yeah, no, I th- I'm I'm here for Isn't it. That, but also, it's not. The, it's different from that. It's slightly different because the guy telling the boring story is feeding off the other person's discomfort. But this is like right. the so essentially, and I'm pitching this crossover as well. When we do a crossover with what we do in the shadows. The ultimate showdown will be the energy vampire versus Butterball because Butterball is, you know, enjoys the draining. So he's not draining him because it's actually energizing him. So it's the immovable force and the irresistible object meeting when the two of them are face to face. Um, I, I have a I have a sort of alternate take on this pitch is that Chatterbox. um. All he does in the show is like just do the chattering, but it's like a Chewbacca situation where everybody understands him and just gets bored out of their minds by the stories he's telling. And like, yeah, there they give the context clues and he's just the whole time like, I love it. Yeah, it's the yeah, perfect. They he is talking, but we don't get to know what he's saying, but it's very clear. But it's like but cousin yeah. Ed or Chewbacca um, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to be clear on the pitch, so the pitch is that. It, we it's their downtime and essentially they're just hanging out you know they're in the break room a lot they're they're having meetings they have like endless hr meetings because it's hell or whatever so it's just you know like all kinds of things that they do not to make it a better workplace but to sort of torture everyone and then also every once in a while someone opens a puzzle box and then it's almost like a firehouse like they're there killing time until a puzzle box gets open and then they have to go like disembowel that guy and they love that 10 minutes of their day but the rest is paperwork well i mean here's my pitch right uh it's you know we love shared universes and we love mashups right mm-hmm. the dog who saved tokyo he <laughs> fights godzilla i mean i'm in 100 <laughs> percent. it's it's got We'll get Mario Lopez back because I feel like he'd be into that. I do think um, I didn't know I'd say this, but like I think they lost something when they lost Mario Lopez. I I love me some Joey Lawrence. I think uh, Joey Lawrence who was Blossom unequivocally a silver lining of Money Plane. Oh yeah, big also, time, big time with Kelsey. Gra- what is happening? What is going on? <laughs> why do we keep talking about Kelsey Grammer? I don't know I why don't, it's happening. I'm, I'm I'm scared. I need a hug and a warm mug of cocoa. <laughs> All roads lead back to Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> All roads lead to the Grumble <laughs> or the the Rumble. That's okay, what he's called. But also another pitch: the Grumble, and it's <laughs> where the Rumble has three spirits visit him on Christmas. <laughs> And he has to give up his money plane and ways in order no, no, to. No. So it's the grumble because the rumble <laughs> tries to steal Christmas. It's it's like the Grinch or he's <laughs> it's just the Grinch. Look, I'm going to be real honest. We're just doing the Grinch, but with Kelsey Grammer's with character, Kelsey the, Grammer rumble. As the grumble. Yeah. And he might even just be like green screen in front of the uh, 60s cartoon. He could do it. By the way, though, sorry, I didn't want to I don't want to blaze too far past it. So what how are you picturing this? So you you think that the banisters take a a vacation to to Japan? Yeah, they go to um, yeah, they go to Japan for the holidays. 
Uh, because, you know, they're like, oh, well, I you got know, it. Wait, wait. I got it. Because uh, what are we saying? His name is. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not Ted George ben. Bannister. George. George Bannister finds out that Kentucky Fried Chicken is really popular for Christmas in Japan because there's there's a whole thing you can this is real you can look this into this is it. a real thing yeah but uh the for some reason the Japanese people the KFC did a really successful job branding themselves as like the colonel as a Santa Claus figure in Japan so like they just associate uh Christmas as an American holiday but they also associate it with KFC so part of the tradition is to eat KFC chicken on uh christmas so george finds this out and so like obviously his wife who is much put upon who deserves a win and who's gonna be written better in this movie that's our promise to you she's yeah, like so elise donovan you will actually get because we're gonna finish this the dog who saves tokyo pitch but man when you watch those like post-credit bloopers and stuff she is so nice and fun and warm and charismatic and yeah. interesting yes what and this is what we're gonna do <sighs> this movie because that's so this is my thought too is like so that she wants a vacation she deserves a vacation and he she wants to go to japan because that's always been her dream she's always wanted to see japan and she doesn't think that george will go for it but he does because of the kfc thing and then when he gets there, he's immediately knocked unconscious by Godzilla and he's out of most of the movie for the almost he like just avoids getting stepped on falling debris. And he's just out. He's in a coma. The kids are by his side. But that means that, you know, it's her time to shine. Yeah. And so really, while Zeus does indeed. Save Tokyo, so does uh, Mrs. Bannister. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really, it's a team up between the two of them. And I know what you're wondering. And again, Andy, this is your pitch. So, so please let me know if I'm overstepping. But like, I imagine that Zeus takes some kind of, uh, you know, potion or formula. It probably should be more science -y, but something that makes him the size of Godzilla. Oh, he becomes a kaiju 100%. Yeah, if I, that wasn't obvious, like, which, oh, it's... It's a kaiju-sized Zeus fighting Godzilla. Which look, Mario Lopez. You know, so far you for this series, you've you've just had to to voice Zeus's inner thoughts. But in this one, you're gonna put on a rubber suit. <laughs> We're gonna go full suitmation. Yeah, and you're gonna play giant uh, kaiju Zeus. Kaiju Zeus. Which also, I feel like because his name is Zeus, that he needs to have lightning bolts. Oh, he kaiju Zeus has lightning powers for sure. Yeah. Love it. Like, I mean, it's just this movie writes itself. So again, the dog who saved Tokyo, holler at your boys. Which, how about this? What do you think of this for the ending? Is whatever in bigany potion that Zeus gets, the scientists also realize it works both ways because they need to be able to get Zeus back to normal size. So in the end, what happens is that Godzilla is shrunk down into a tiny lizard, which then the sun banister gets in a cage like so it ends with just as a pet yeah yeah he has a pet he wanted a pet lizard we set that up in act one and then in the and end he has godzilla in the cage like in a little a terrarium uh, he gets a yeah i think you know it's great <laughs> and we just got to find something for uh real life supervillain dean kane to do die in the first reel well uh, and well and obviously he's the reason that Godzilla surfaces. 
he somehow releases Godzilla and like causes Godzilla to turn uh, villainous. Yeah. Like full on 1950s Godzilla raging against the city of Tokyo. Yeah. And once he's dead, then uh, Joey Diaz can finally find love when uh... <laughs> when he meets up with uh, Vincent uh, Pastore. Yeah. When he and Vincent Pastore, who's also vacationing in Japan uh, when they cross paths. And then they eat lasagna and Cubanos. And it's actually, it's a, uh, it's secretly in the way that they did, you know, 10 Cloverfield Lane or whatever. Like, this is secretly the way that we get <laughs> lasagna and Cubanos made. At one point when Santa's naming the reindeer and he's like, Blitzen and Vixen and Nixon will up. Oh, I don't remember the name, but the children do. You could tell they had one, one take to get that shot. Yes. That the little people had to leave in 10 minutes, so they had to get that Yeah, coverage. he definitely fumbled that line, and they just left it in. Uh, which, which does great. lead to this week's movie pitch. You didn't think we were going to have one because we were messing around in the beginning, but I think it's time, Andy, to tell them about our stop-motion animated film in the style of Rankin and Bass, Nixon the Reindeer. <laughs> I am not a sleigh leader. <laughs> It is about a reindeer who becomes uh, corrupt with power. He believes that the only way uh, to find out what the children want is to break into their homes and go through their rooms. <laughs> and yes. and what's really he gets all the other reindeer involved. There's a huge cover up. And, uh, you know, it looks like Santa might actually go to prison. But then. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then Deep Throat uh, Comet. Is is spilling all the beans about what's actually going on with Mister Nixon? Uh, yeah, reporting it to we don't. I don't know what the elf's name is yet, but there's an elf that much like you know the one that wanted to be a dentist, uh, wanted to be a journalist, and right. now works at the Washington Post. It's uh, Woody and Bernie, the two elves. <laughs> they work for the North Pole Post. <laughs> they meet in a parking <laughs> a parking garage. At the North Pole, and you get the silhouette of a reindeer that they're talking to. That's smoking, obviously. Oh, no, you see the cherry, so you think it's like a cigarette cherry. But no, it's Rudolph. Rudolph is... <laughs> yeah, that's better. Deep throat. That's that's better. You think it's yeah. like the cigarette cherry glowing in the dark, but it's like... <laughs> and it's Rudolph wearing a trench coat in the shadows, so you just get the silhouette of a reindeer. Yeah, and... Uh, it, it's revealed that, you know, that Nixon the reindeer is trying to uh, usurp control from from Dasher. Why not? <laughs> yeah, uh, that he had he had a long he had a, a, a relatively successful run as second in command to Dasher. But then there was the elections and uh, Blitzen got elected the new leader of the reindeer. And so now he's challenging Blitzen for his throne or his uh, lead in front of the sleigh and, you know, breaks into the reindeer stuff. And, you know, breaks in to find out what all the toys children want. And it's all it's like, why is Santa sneaking into houses only one night a year? He could be doing it every night. <laughs> we'll get a jump start on building the toys. We'll we'll be in their houses at all times. And the mistake that he makes, I mean, he makes many mistakes, but the the ultimately fatal mistake is that he tape recorded every conversation right. he had with all the yes. other reindeer. And so you can hear all the all the scheming and skullduggery that he's engaging in. Yeah, uh, Nixon the Jowly Reindeer is the name of the special. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have we're gonna find 
Burl I or Burl Ives great grandson and have him write the write the new lyrics. Yeah. But yeah, look for that. Uh, it's going to take a while. Like normally we try to get these out pretty fast, but this is probably like 2028 because, you know, we don't know how to do stop motion and we have to like do you just got to move the thing so much. It's so intricate. Right, Just move a tiny bit and take another take, you know, take a still frame and eventually blend them all together. Um, yeah, so yeah, coming Christmas 2028. We're also, we're really struggling to figure out how to get a reindeer to articulate the, you know, the, the peace signs, the, yeah, the, you know, but he has to do right. it because when he's kicked off of the North Pole and he gets into his helicopter, he has to flash right. him. Yeah. <laughs> he and the weird thing is that he can fly, but he's getting into a helicopter. <laughs> well, because he's disgraced. Right. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe he's just boarding a sleigh. It's like, but you can fly on your own. Yeah. Well, plus Pat's with him. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Pat the reindeer. (laughs) And uh, his pet squirrel checkers. (laughs) I'm reminded of my squirrel checkers. And of course, the abominable snowman, Henry Kissinger. Yes. Oh, man. Who is Yukon Cornelius in all of this? <laughs> That's a good question. Spiro Agnew. Gerald Ford. Yukon Cornelius <laughs> is Gerald Ford. We did it. This is good. This is this. I didn't see this coming this week, and it's I'm here for it all the way. Nixon the Jolly Reindeer. Andy, I have an update for you. Very excited to let you and the listeners know while we were listening to those clips, I got a call from the DC Metro. It's interested. You know, I had a feeling yeah. that the DC Metro was going to be interested. Uh, that's exciting because that was that's the final pieces in place now. So we can make. Uh... Yeah. John Mayer has been in the whole time. Yeah. And Tony Goldwyn is down. Yeah, Tony Goldwyn was just like anything that you guys write for me. You guys are geniuses. Yes, you are the unsung heroes of Hollywood. I don't know. We may, I, If I had to say the thing that I think might make the most money might be Ninja Turtles versus Universal Monsters. Look, we have a lot of ideas. I'm proud of all of them. They're idiots for not having made that movie. Like that yeah, is morons. Such a top level pitch that. Come on, like you're just leaving money on the table. We even did all the work for you. We found which Ninja Turtle would fight which monster. I mean, it's it's done. We did the work. The only thing left to do is to collect a paycheck. Yeah. Just stage three profit. That's it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of good stuff. I'm impressed. This is the first time we ever had a pitch within a pitch with the grumble. Yeah. So we yeah. started pitching a movie and then we ended up pitching another movie in another the middle movie, then got back to the original pitch. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of Kelsey Grammer, a lot of Kelsey Grammer, a lot of Nick Cage. Uh, I think all the Nick Cage ideas are great. I'm really I like the, the I like him as Jr. It's unexpected. I but. do. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a bit of stunt casting, but I'm here for it. I think um, him and Walken, I think, are going to have some great chemistry. <laughs> real good. Real good stuff. Yeah, uh, so we're going to come back uh, with some new content later on this month. Well, we should probably do we want to go ahead? We we should announce what we're going to do for the rest of this month to prepare people. It's the worst of 2022 movies. 
Yeah. So we've already we've been looking back at our best pitches and now we're going to look at the worst movies, the most infamously bad films of 2022 for the rest of this month. Yeah. Uh, so keep listening and and keep not delivering us money until you do start delivering us money. Please start delivering us money. Yeah. Just so much money. Five million dollars, five million and forty five dollars on our doorsteps. ASAP. As a start. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.